All right, we're back. Another episode, Judd's Buds, apparently episode 55. Um, well, let's just do this podcast here. Uh, as always, host Spoke Z. Thank you to Isha for stepping in for a couple episodes, but my guy Hoppy is back to steer the ship. Hoppy, how are you? How was your Valentine's Day? What's going on? And uh, where you been? Valentine's Day was Valentine's Day. It's really not any different each year, but we got through it. Didn't have to spend too much money, which is always preferred. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, I want to do that post when someone has the really long, like, like notes app thing saying, like, Mm. what's going on in their life. And it's like the, the response where it's really happy for you or sorry that happened to you. I'm not reading. Like, I, I don't really know if I'm happy for you that I'm back or if I'm sorry, but hey, at least you're not steering the ship yourself. Um, bad. But last two, where was I? I don't even remember where I was for the first one. Um, but for the second one, actually went to the Vegas game, which went about as poorly as it could have. Yep. Phil Kessel couldn't even score a goal for me. So like not even a little bit of a silver lining. Um, and actually yesterday, Isha and I went out and did a big recording day with, uh, our buddies over at Lupulin Brewing, which, I mean, obviously we love them. They are as weird as us and have incredible beer, but I would say unbiased. Most people in Minnesota would say they're a top five, top 10 brewery, no question. And they were nice enough slash foolish enough to let us brew a beer with them. So that'll be fun. We like that. That'll be good. Love that. What? This is a weird question. As a married guy, is like, what's up with Valentine's Day? Is it like more important? Is it less important? Like, is it more pressure? Less? What's going on with the married life with fucking Valentine's Day? Uh, married life. I mean, first year, everything is probably more yeah, important than it was before marriage. After that, probably I would say less so. It's more. If you forget, you're equally fucked. But mm. as long as you remember and make the effort, I would say that it is less important. Because, like, Valentine's Day before you're married, it's, like, kind of that reassurance every year. Like, yeah, I'm sticking around. Like, we're still cool. Whereas if you're married, it's, like, if things don't work out, she's taking half my shit. So, like, she doesn't really have to worry about the reassurance piece. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. So, uh, no, uh, didn't do anything crazy and even, like, convinced her since it was on a tuesday to be like yo do you want to just like do stuff on saturday instead because that sounds more fun anyways and she's like yeah we can do that so all right yeah that's uh there you go that's that's my breakdown of course i don't know if my situation's better or worse than other people's because i've never been married to their wives but that's what i got fair enough dude fair enough so there you go hope everyone's had a nice valentine's day whether uh, it was with someone or not. Um, I guess we should just get right into it. I think the plan here is just a little bit of a Minnesota wild state of the union state of the union. Um, I'll start. Um, things are bad and um, don't appear to be getting much better. Looks like now Marcus Foligno is going to be missing a little bit of time. Like every other player at some point in the season, someone's been hurt all season long uh weird timing for different players getting scratched uh i'll be honest it's just not going great they can't score goals 
to give up really inopportune goals at like the worst possible time. And there's really just no, it's just so inconsistent. I think they're three, six and one in the last 10. Like there's just not, they can only score if Kirill Kaprizov is on the ice. Um, it's just not going great. And, uh, I don't really know how else to say it. I don't really think there's one move that's going to magically turn the ship around here. Cause I mean, at this point they're just fighting to probably make the playoffs. And um, that's going to make the deadline in my opinion, like more interesting and less fun, possibly just looking at what the more realistic move is and what, the best move is uh, it's just like back to watching the Minnesota Wild and just being like, oh God, which is not fun after the last couple of years. But um, I don't know, man. Like you went to the Vegas game. That sucked. Uh, a lot of games have sucked. What are, what are you looking at here? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely on the same page as you. Things are bad. But it's worse in a sense because in the past – you know, if there's been bad stretches or bad games, like we've seen the resilience, we've seen the compete, like even if they didn't win the game, right. They were going to come back and they were going to bust ass. But like you look at coming out of the break and we can blame Cabo as much or as little as we want, but mm. Arizona, that's not what you're looking for. Yeah. Right. Especially after a break and knowing that this is kind of the final stretch to see if you can be a playoff team. And if Billy should go out and add pieces and then you expect like Dallas, the one that's pacing the central you face them in the next game and it's like i don't even need them to win i just need them to put up a good fight and prove that they care they didn't really do that for me and then vegas who like they're missing their best player there's several other issues going on with them right now and we get shellacked by them at the start of our our homestand it's just i i'm not seeing any reason for inspiration and I mean, to your point, fighting for a playoff spot right now, the math's against them. They are one spot out, same amount of games played, same amount of points as Calgary, which like, sure, we can beat Calgary. It's possible. But if we don't see something change here soon, like it's just not going to work. And if you make it in, you're probably getting your shit kicked in anyways. Yeah. Um it's just like so god every game so even last night when they play pretty well and i mean like they out they're at one point they're out shooting the avalanche who i mean yeah sure they're missing kill McCarr, whatever um i mean at one point the shot's like 26 to 8 and they're losing two to one and they give up another one like they just can't score and they can't come up with a big goal that we saw what was the last year two years ago um so i don't really know like it's going to be really interesting to see what the moves are going to be like there's not it sounds like there's a call up coming which i'm assuming is going to be adam beckman that's like he is unbelievable right now in iowa one of their they're in a little bit of a skid here they're playing really inconsistent but um sounds like he's gonna you know come up see what he can do see where he slots it in the lineup um but just given where they are like how strapped they are for cash the type of moves that they'd be looking at like i don't really know what Really, they're going to be able to do what they want to do, but um, I don't know. It's just, I think apparently Russo went on, was it K 
cave in with uh, what's his face mm-hmm. today. It was just carving them up and down. Yeah. <laughs> specifically, I mean, again, like, like the, the, the fucking roster decisions game, like who's getting scratched, who's not, like who comes I in. I mean, like, let's be makes, real, man. Jalen Addison deserved to get benched. I mean, with a team that can't score goals yeah. and power play is the only thing that's kind of working, you definitely yeah. want to take away, you know, a piece of that in lieu of, oh, yeah, Dumba, Merrill, and Goligoski being way more responsible defensively than he is. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, man. It's like – I mean, short version. Just, we're watching it all over again. Are they are are they sellers in your mind? Is there any way that they're not – even if it's, like, small sellers, right? Like, there's no way that they're adding unless it's, like, taking on other people's – shitty deals kind of being a broker to add draft capital i don't know it's just like so weird too though because like you look at the west and it's there's not a whole lot of teams like oh yeah unbeatable look there's really not that many teams where i'd say that so i wonder what they look at it like um but i also don't really know what they're looking at and saying oh yeah if we you know this is something we believe in here but I don't know. I can't really. They're not going to be like wholesale sellers. I don't see that happening. Um, it's again, it, sometimes I'm just watching like, what the fuck is going on? So we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be interesting. Probably not exciting. The deadline. I can't see them making any big moves here. There's no one like, again, we said this before, if their deadline move in hopes of making a deep playoff run is calling up like a Marco Rossi to do the same thing, then that's obviously not going to work or calling up anyone from Iowa and expecting, yeah, this is going to be the push here. This is what's going to push us over the line. It's not, I just don't know. I can't see that happening. Um, I also don't really see them making any like big trigger decisions where it's like, we're all in, but it's like, that's just not going to happen either. So I don't know, but it's just, it's just not really fun to watch right now. Um, and we'll see what happens, I guess. I guess that's really the every game. It's like, all right, let's just see what happens. Um, yeah. I mean, hopefully, if it is Beckman that comes up, you can give him a little, uh, just have a little fun in the room, be an idiot, you know? Yeah, I mean, double-edged sword here, right? Like, in a good way, you're basically bringing up young guys that are hopefully going to inject some excitement and get the boys going. But also, like, if – we're going to keep going down this track. We might as well get them in and see if it's guys that we want to be pulling up next year. Um, Beckman, we've already talked about guys on a heater, four goals in his last two games, 18 on the year out of 43 games. Like that's pretty solid. We'll take that smart that he went home and shot pucks in the driveway all summer. Cause you know, Dean's got the, the sage advice. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, anyone else that you look at and say, whether it's right now or over the course of the remainder of the season, what other Iowa players have caught your eye and you think, hey, I want to see them with a, with a little bit of a look up at the big club? Um, and, I mean, we, I guess we can use this as the jump-off point to, to talk about Iowa more here. But, Accurate. Um, I mean, like the normal suspects, like Sammy Walker's just been good and he's remained solid. Um, I think he's obviously, when he has come up, he's been playing, he plays really well and he gives them some life. Again, he plays with the speed that they're looking for. Again, like, the, like they, they can't score. <laughs> I don't know that that's the problem. Like where are these guys going to slot in the lineup when they get called up? Like, I just don't know. 
unless their goal is to like add some scoring to the bottom six. I don't know, but um, but I mean, we can just we can just I can't even talk about Minnesota anymore. We can just go right into Iowa, but um, Iowa too, and like a similar little bit of a slide. Not necessarily like every game is brutal. They're just they were on a heater for a little bit there. Uh, they slowed down a little bit. They're playing like 500 hockey. They're right in the middle of the division. Uh, they should make the playoffs though. Um, but again, Sammy Walker's just been a stud. Like, just surprising to see a guy like from Minnesota where his production was decent, like fine. He was more kind of just doing a little bit of everything for them. And he goes to Iowa, and it's completely different. Where he's leading the team in scoring, scoring big goals. He's a big part of their power play. Like he's all over the ice. You notice him every single shift that he's out there. Doesn't matter who his line mates are. So he's playing really well. Um, you know, guys like Fogarty, Stephen Fogarty's playing really well. Um, you know, Marco Rossi's continuing to just do his thing um, right under a point per game. And then Beckman's just been on a tear. Like he is like scoring not just in bunches, but like rips, like highlight real goals. Um, and, you know, we said it before. I can't remember if it was last week, the week before with Isha, but for me, like next season, like it's time for Beckman to be on the be up in the NHL because I just don't really know how much more development there's to be had in the HL for him. He's right around the age where it's like, all right, like it's time. And he's showing this year, like he's taking the step. He's got a little bit of the Cy Young thing going on. He's got 18 goals, nine assists, but um, I don't care. Fuck out. If he's scoring goals, that's great. Like if this, if, with what's going on in the big club, like I love a guy that can score goals. So he's been solid. Marco Rossi's still doing his thing. Even if the points have slowed down somewhat, he's still playing that really good, well-rounded game. And Wallstead's still kicking. He said a, two of his last couple of games weren't the best, but he's also not getting tons and tons of uh, support <laughs> defensively, but um, still net positive. I'd say for all those guys and the team in general. And again, like last year, they didn't even make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to miss this year. Um, and I think that'll be really good too, for guys like Rossi and Beckman and, and, you know, whoever else, whoever other, what other young guys are going to be down there, uh, the defenseman with O'Rourke hunt, all them. Um, and we'll see who they add as the uh, CHL. If there was playoffs end early, or if uh, we'll see what happens with the college guys. But um, yeah, no, I mean, so, as a in a whole or as a whole slowing down a little bit because i mean again they i think they have won like 10 of 13 at one point and only like one loss in regulation they've come de- back down to earth a little bit but overall they're playing well i don't know how many games you've caught or how much you've caught i mean it's been limited for sure i've watched in and out but i'm i'm a little bit more curious than like let's separate both wild teams from the equation here right like let's focus on marco rossi there's basically two camps. There's one that says, leave him in Iowa to cook. Like he's confident. Let him get through this year. Bring him up for next training camp. Don't risk ruining him. Right. You don't want to crush that confidence, pulling him up with the big squad, how they're playing right now. And while well, putting the weight of the world on his shoulders, there's the other side that says he's done everything he needed to. He's proven what Garen asked him to go prove, bring him up. Cause he's ready. And, you know, pairing him with Kaprizov or Boldy, is a huge jolt that might ignite them and get the team rolling. Yeah. I think right now he's just got a good thing going. Like, and I don't really know if the NHL too, like, again, we were just talking about how it's like very, like the vibes aren't super high. I just don't know if that's a situation right now, if they really want to 
bring him into. And again, like I think even Bill Guerin said it or someone said it, um, they're not going to call him up expecting him to be the answer and solve all the problems. Cause I think that's a mistake, obviously like for me, I'm still on the camp just with the way the Minnesota is going and what they would be asking him to do. Probably. I think the better solution would be to let him keep playing in Iowa let him lead that team into the playoffs and let him go on a deep playoff run. I do think like, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll see him at some point, whether it's towards the end of the season for a stretch of games or, you know, we'll see how it happens after the deadline, who's still there, who's not. Um, mm-hmm. And really what the team outlook is, I guess. But for me, the answer still is our like the best um, situation for him would be let him keep doing what he's doing. Like, he's playing 20 minutes a night versus coming up to Minnesota playing eight, nine, 10 on the fourth line. Um, you know, if you really want to see what you have with him and put him on a line with Boldy or put him on a line with Kaprizov, then sure. If you want to give that a trial run, I also really wouldn't want to fuck with his head. Be like, all right, let's, uh, you have three games to show us what you got next to Kaprizov or Boldy. Let's see if you, uh, let's see if you're a top six center right now. Um, I think that's probably a mistake. Um, but again, he's just playing really well. I think he's in a good situation. He's playing confident and he looks like he's just enjoying hockey right now. And again, he's got somewhat less of a spotlight. And like you said, there are two very vocal camps where it's like, no, let him stay. And then there's other people like, get him the fuck up here. <laughs> Freddie Goudreau stinks. <laughs> get him off the team. <laughs> of all the people to target, he's probably the last I know. one after. <laughs> I feel, that poor bastard, no matter what he does, everyone's like, fuck it, Freddie Goudreau. He's like, they'll lose 8 2. He's got both goals. Like, fuck, yeah, Goudreau's going to go. He's the problem. Dean's boyfriend. <laughs> Not his boyfriend, his son. Son. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm part of that problem. I Every time he scores a goal, I share the video and I just all caps Freddie Everson. But that's not like uh, that's not the only reason he's playing. We just can't ignore nice. the fact that Dean absolutely Dean loves Freddie Goudreau more than he loves punching Darby. Dude, that last Darby punch was incredible. <laughs> what if Darby starts giving it back to him? Because at the end, like right before they panned away, Darby squared up, dude. It's like <laughs> oh, it's so good. That was so funny. That was the last one. He was fired up. He he wound up. And Darby was just like covering himself. He just unloads. <laughs> you know Dude, what though, uh, man? Like that that tells you everything you need to know though about where this team is at. Like right. how much they've been hurting and like how big it was to just squeak out one win. Like you saw it right there. Yeah. And I mean again though, like that's a really good New Jersey team. I know they didn't have to use whatever. Um but like Again, like we just see flashes where it's like, okay, where is that for 60 minutes? And I mean, you want to, I mean, like we can, and I know we said that we were done talking about Minnesota. One real bright spot, dude, Gustafson. Uh huh. How That's, good has that fucking guy been? Dude, I've been saying it all year, man. 1A. I don't you know, think he's the true starter, but I think he's your 1A. And I mean, it, in this market, the only guarantee is that people will overreact to goaltending. Right now, Gustafson is the number one goalie in the NHL, and Marc-Andre Fleury should just take one for the team and voluntarily retire. Yeah, retire, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I want to spin off that, though, because like, Gus has been great. We don't even need to really get into that. Like, he's played really well. He's, you know, proven why he was drafted where he was and that Ottawa was a mistake. 
what are your thoughts, not for this season, but looking forward for the goaltending situation in Minnesota? Like, how much is it worth to keep Gustafson here, you know, assuming that it's something that he actually battles and wants to go and find offers, but also factoring in, like, what what's the plan for Wallstead? Like, is he a guy that you can see playing with the Wild next year? Um. I think like, could he sh- like, sure. I think again, that's putting a lot of, I mean, it depends, right? Like if you're saying one of Gustafson or um, Mark Andre Flair is not here and he's going to be your other, like your one B or your backup goalie. Could he? Sure. He did have, and I still thought he played really well at the beginning. He was just getting screwed, but he did have some moments. Like it was a slow little transition this year into the AHL. And again, like we're talking about, what's a better situation for him. And we talk about Marco Rossi this year, same thing with Volstead next year. I think like let him have another full season of being the number one guy in Iowa. There's no real reason to bring him up unless like flurry decides, yeah, voluntarily retire. Like yeah, <laughs> can some of these idiots, um, fucking unbelievable. Dude. Oh, I'm there's people too that are like, we'll just trade him to a contender. Like, yeah, he doesn't fucking want to go anywhere. <laughs> By the way, like I think it's so funny when people talk about like talk about goalies at the deadline. When has a goaltender ever been added to a team and they've won a cup? Like uh, because, Ryan Miller to St. Louis. Yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> and so it, like, oh, shit. it doesn't really has have anything to do with anything. But it's like I just see sometimes like oh they just need to go add a goalie. Like when has that ever worked ever? Like, like adding a number one goalie. Like, look look at Jack Campbell right now. Case in point on why that's the case. Like, look at how he started the year. Everyone immediately in Edmonton is saying he should voluntarily retire instead of take his five by five. But nice. now look at how he's popping on. Like, and that's not saying he's a world beater, but he's exactly what Edmonton needed him to be. A guy that allows mm. three or less because any night that your goaltending keeps them to three or less, Edmonton better fucking win. Right. Um, but I mean, that's to say, like, you bring a goalie in, it's not that simple, right? No, it's and, not. I mean, everyone, everyone will point back to Flurry, though, and say, well, that kind of worked, but it didn't. It really didn't. It didn't at all in the playoffs at all. I'd say the um, playoffs, no. I think it mattered regular season, just that, like, he and Talbot are the only reason that each other had such good seasons because they were just pushing off each other. But I, I'm with you, man. The, the Volstead thing. Don't fuck with young goalies, period. Like, mm-hmm. keep him down there another year. Let him just dominate and be super comfortable. Don't force him up to be the Band-Aid or the igniter to, you know, drive forward this year or next year. Like, let's have him out there doing fucking bench presses with the net like Askarov. That was unreal. <laughs> um, and speaking of, Wallstead was, first of all, he was a blast at the All-Star game, and he played really well. Like, it, this year again, like you want to talk about good vibes and just like him being where he needs to be. Like right now, he's again, he's playing unbelievably well. Um, I mean, he's their number one at this point. Makes the All Star team or game plays really well there. Like, I just think he's got such a good situation going. And I know, like last year and all this year, I said, yeah, he could come up and play in the NHL for one year in the A. And again, I think he could, but. Is that the best situation? Probably not. Like could versus should. Right, exactly. And it's very like two very different things. Like, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Like, so this with how Gustafson's going right now, I think that also 
leads to the conversation like what do the like not only the deadline but like what does the offseason look like you know what i mean like there are some guys who are not going to be here that maybe they're young players like a jordan greenway has been linked to be out of here before the deadline but to me like it, Gustafson's got to be close to the top of the list of guys you got to bring back at this point. Obviously, like you're not going to just rely on Wallstead next season. No, God, Flurry, no. Flurry's been up and down. Uh, I do think and... it's been way overstated how poorly he's played. Like, yeah, there's been like games here and there, but like people need to relax and go back like one month to when they were worshiping him. Right. And again, like you're at this point, I think they're. I don't even know what do they have one goal in how many of their last 20 games? That was like how many right. times have they only one or two goals? So you're asking him to like put up like a 970 to like, a, but he's let in really bad goals at bad times. Sure. sure. Yep. Every, every fucking goal in the league has. Um, but when he's pretty much needing to make every save all night, like, yeah, it's going to happen. And then it doesn't help that Gustafson's just been on an absolute tear. So like it makes That's him look true. significantly worse. Um, but I'm with you too, though, right? In the sense that the fact that the team isn't playing well, that just has these goalies that much more on edge. As soon as they let one in, they're like, oh, fuck, if I let another one in, we're screwed. And like, you're playing a different way. You're playing scared. You're not playing the way that you're used to playing. I don't know. Right. And I mean, okay, so then we can like look at their offseason, specifically with the RFAs. What's the order here, right? Sam Steele. Stamp Sam Steele, Brandon Duhame, Mason Shaw, Kalen Addison, uh, Philly Gustafson. Like, oh, he's yeah, that's right, he's restricted. Uh, I would say for me, ranking would be Gustafson, Addison, Duhame. Um, I can't remember it was Sean who Sean Steele. Steele won't even be with the team anymore. They're gonna either wave him or find someone that's willing to trade for him. Uh, which isn't likely. So Steele isn't even on the list in my opinion, but I guess we can put him five uh, Shaw at four. And that's not to discount that. I, I do think that Shaw's a guy that you need to get done, but the other three in order, I think are pretty pivotal. Yeah. And I, I honestly think there's a pretty, maybe not steep, maybe that's the wrong way to phrase it. But like, to me, like if you can get Gustafson signed tomorrow, at a reasonable number. Obviously, you're not going to give him crazy money. He's 24. He's had one really right. good year. Well, not even a full year in the NHL because, I mean. The... <laughs> and there's but... the level to which he doesn't want to go to a new team again. Like we already talked about. Right. Like That's not fun for goalies. Um, right. I mean, my my viewpoint, man, is if we can keep it somewhere in the range of like four, four and a half for him and Addison, both on mm-hmm. two or three year deals, depending on what they're open to. I think if you can get the two of them done in that wiggle room based on what's coming off the cap, that still leaves you a little bit of room to give lower deals to the the Duhames and the Shaws, assuming you're bringing them back versus trading them. But mm-hmm. I, I think like you look at Gustafson, somewhere between 1.5 and 2 for two years, his chance to be comfortable here, prove it. And if he does well enough, boom, free agent, he can get big bucks with us or someone else. And guess what? We can pay him at that point too. So like, I think – one and a half to two is reasonable for him. Addison, I got no fucking clue with some of the games that they're playing with him right now, but I would think same type of deal, like two ish, maybe two and a half, two years gets us through the, the buyouts and gives him a chance to like show that he can grow his defensive game and continue to dominate quarterback in the power play. 
Like, cause yeah. if the wild aren't willing to pay you by then, because there is a deep prospect pool. Great. Someone else is going to pay you big bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be curious to see. I literally, I can never figure out like what the second contract is gonna, ever is going to look like for goalies. Like, it makes no sense to me. But again, if you can get them for like, you're not going to give them four or five years. No. You're not going to give them big dough. But so if he can, you know, lock them in for a couple of years at a reasonable number, um, that's going to give you another year of Wallstead just to do his thing in the AHL. And, you know, by the time Wallstead comes up, like, and again, like, even if Wallstead does spend the entire next season in the AHL and then he's ready and he comes up, you really don't want him stepping in as your starter, probably as his first, like here in the National Hockey League. So if Gustafson, if you can buy a couple of years of him being your guy and he's comfortable and he's playing well behind this defense, like that's a good situation, I think, for you know, whenever Wallstead is ready, maybe it's next year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's three years from now, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, you don't want his first year in the NHL like having the pressure of being a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Gustafson can kind of turn into, you know, He's not going to do this his whole fucking career. But um, if he can be a reasonable starter for you, then that's just a good situation to have with him and Wallstead in the future. Who knows what else, you know, comes in, what happens between then. But that's a better situation probably for Wallstead to step into, not having to be a 1A um, or having like, you know, coming in as like a 1B to Flurry, and then you find out, uh oh, Flurry's now falling off a cliff. We really need Wallstead to be a starter now. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so I'll be really curious to see what they do, like what that number is, what the contract looks like for Wallstead or not Wallstead for Gustafson. two, maybe 2.25 by two years. I think that makes both sides very happy. I'd be fine with that. Um, um, but yeah, I'm sure he'll tell me that Addison is probably atop the list of valuable assets to trade, but he is my number two priority there for sure. For yeah, he's got to be your number two Dustin. guy. Yeah, I mean, like right now, he's kind of turned that power play around, right? Um, and even just looking forward, the guys that are coming in the future, he's still your best power play quarterback even with a Carson Lambos, even with, you know, whoever else is going to be coming up. Um, he's going to be the guy for you. Yeah. He would be a pretty goddamn good trade chip though, but you know, I guess you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons of that, but um, we'll see. And we I mean, we'll see my big thing with them, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I am in no way making a direct comparison here, but let's look at Chris Letang who is one foot taller and, or sorry, one inch taller. Fuck me. Not Chara. Um, one inch taller than Addison. And everyone says his size is a huge issue and Oh, his defense isn't good in his first year. So he's never going to be good defensively. <laughs> Dude, look at the first couple of years of Chris Letang's career. Like he was an absolute liability because he's all offense first. I mean, especially coming out of the queue. Right. But like you can grow that over time. And like, am I going to defend Addison next year if he's doing the exact same shit? No. But if we can see slow progression there, he's a guy that can evolve to being a really good second-pair defenseman, versatile, play him with a guy like a Brodine, like a Faber, someone that's a little bit more responsible, and have him be your power play quarterback. That's a very valuable piece that a lot of teams have a lot of trouble finding. I just I can't imagine giving him up unless it's part of a package or you're – doing something like way bigger than 
like his role, right? Like we're talking, if you find a first line center or something and he's part of the deal, then sure. That's a conversation to have. Yeah. I mean, I, I put him in the category of um, would really love to not part ways with him this early or really, I mean, at this point, I don't really, there's not many positive situations where he gets moved, but I wouldn't necessarily put him in like the untouchable category. Sure. Um, And I look at the other RFAs, you know, I love Duhame and I love Mason Shaw. I'd still like, I still like Sam's deal. I don't really know what, how much more there is to him in the NHL. You you look at Russo though, like he's pretty adamant, like kid's done. Yeah. He's cooked, which I don't know how you fall out of grace that quickly. Yeah, it's crazy. He said something. He said something rude about uh, Freddie in the locker room, and Dino snapped. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the final straw. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I look at those other RFAs, and I mean, again, I love Duhame, love Shaw, but like also replaceable, especially with guys that you have coming to. Like they are is what it is. So if there are teams that want to give up pieces, then yeah, like they're not going to be like, the worst piece in the world if you don't if they're not back here after this year, but. Um, in terms of Gustafson, I think you got to get that done. And Addison, yeah, I would say you probably need to get that done. And I don't really think either of them command a huge contract. So um, it'll be it's interesting. both their favor to have it be shorter term, and it's in mm-hmm. the Wild's mm-hmm. favor to capitalize on that because, great, on the other side, either us or someone else will be paying you if you prove it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's pretty straightforward. That's right. I'm just looking at it. their cap. Situation. It's so weird. <laughs> like uh, Goligoski and that extension still breaks my brain. He's and I like I him. mean, he's getting moved this summer for like he wants it. Pretty sure we want it. I just don't think Garen is willing to do it right now because he needs the depth. But if we decide we're sellers, maybe he's a prime candidate to move. Yeah. It's just like just a weird it's just a weird group of contracts. Like, I don't know. Anyways, um, we can move on. We can move <laughs> well, on. Where should we go next? I, I mean, just, is there anyone else that's, uh, you know, a deep pull, someone that either you want to see playing up with the wild this year, just get a chance or a guy that just popped that you didn't expect to, that we should be looking at next year as playing a way more significant role with Iowa wild. Uh, Really, it's just the usual suspects. Like a lot of the guys, like a lot of their young guys right now, like not necessarily popping. Um, you know, I look at Beckman. I think he should be in the NHL next season. Marco Rossi should be in the NHL next season. Sammy Walker should at least get a look in the NHL next season. And again, we want to talk about some of those RFAs that they have being replaceable. Like, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of like the actual AHL, I'll be curious to see what this like the rest of this year and next year looks like for guys like Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke. Um, you know, a lot of the defense in the NHL, like they're locked up. Like Spurgeon and Brodeen. We'll see what happens. Fucking Dubbo, who knows at this point. Um, Middleton, like and then what are you gonna pair like an Addison with an O'Rourke or Addison with a Hunt? Like not gonna happen. So it's gonna be, you know, do they become do they become pieces to a bigger move? I don't really see big moves coming before that. Probably the uh, those buyouts end, or at least the they're not like thirteen million. 
fourteen and a half million. Um, so I mean, like in terms of just, like the AHL, I'm curious to see what those like next year specifically really does look like for those two specifically, and then who's going to be joining them next year. Like I would be surprised if Brock Faber plays. And we'll see how far Minnesota or yeah, well, I, yeah. no, yeah, Minnesota, how far they go. Um, you know, I expect them to get a look just to see, you know, get a taste of the NHL and then go play in the playoffs in the AHL. And then, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he made the NHL team next year because he's like this kid's built NHL ready, like he just is. But I mean, I guess you can't really you know, put your hat on that, but like, uh, that's just how he. He's just such a beast. He's so good. So I mean, um, if he's healthy, do you think that like he is a shoe in to get his NHL debut, or do you think there's a chance he gets sent down to the AHL depending on how bad things are going in Minnesota? Yeah, I guess that the big question is the situation you'd be coming into. But I think he's at least going to get a taste of the NHL, like even if it is two, three games, just see what it looks like, and again, give him the taste of it. Um, but I would be like a lot would have to happen if it was him coming into the NHL, getting a taste and staying, <laughs> like yeah. not going to the NHL. Cause I get the best situation would probably be for him to play in the playoffs in the A. Um, I mean, that was going to be the plan. Like this is just coming from Boston with Charlie McAvoy. And then the entire defense core, that playoff run got injured and he had to come up and play and he was phenomenal and he never went back to the AHL. Like that was a situation where the plan probably wasn't for him to be on their first defense pair in the playoffs, like three weeks after his college career ended, but that's how it happened. And he ran with it and he just, now he's one of the best defense in the league. Uh, so a lot had to happen for, for him to end up there. And he just kind of, again, ran with the opportunity. I think a lot would have to happen for favor to step in and then not go, play at least a little bit in the AHL. I think McAvoy literally played a total of six AHL games, seven AHL games. And he's like, all right, I'm ready. Um, but a lot of that was injuries. And then they're like, all right, fuck it. Like he was one of the best D in the playoffs. He's going to play. Um, so I think next year would be, I wouldn't be shocked at all if though, if Faber was full-time NHLer. Um, again, I guess it does depend on the deadline and then the summer, but um Right. I think he's he's pretty close to being ready. Like he's such a beast. Like he's unbelievable. Um, and he's really fun to watch. So and he's just a little bit different from what they have. Like they've got a lot of guys who are defensive defensemen. They got a lot of guys who are pure offense, like all offense. And Faber, I wouldn't say there's a ton of offense in there, but what he does really well does help facilitate. So and this year there's actually been he's producing way more than he was you know previous so yeah. um i think there's a blend there and again he's just such a goddamn good skater too like so you're literally explaining brodine light he exactly yeah. measures up like someone in the the group yeah there you go well strong i mean the skater, group yeah stronger defensively doesn't provide a ton offensively but definitely like not insufficient in that area he's a very good puck mover Right. Like he transports the puck, whether it's with a pass or whether it's, you know, skating himself. Um, so he makes life significantly more easy for any offensive players or any forwards. Um, you know, they're going to get a puck right in their tape or they're going to get a guy that's going to exit the zone, get to the neutral zone, um, you know, and set up the offense that way. So um, we'll see what happens with the favor, too. And um, 
you know, other than that, there's not really a whole lot of guys I look at. Well, I mean, I said, I guess not a whole lot. I look at Beckman, Rossi, Walker, and Favor looking at cracking the NHL next season, I guess. So, um, but those are really like the main guys. And then we'll see what happens with the guys in CHL. Like, is Caden Bank here in the AHL next season? Is Kyle Masters? Is David Spotcheck? David Spotcheck will be. Um, next year could that, be real fun in Iowa. Chaotic. I say that every year, though. I say that every year, and I end up being disappointed. I feel uh, like that's like the biggest like incoming class though, right? Like there's always someone exciting and like reason for you know people to buy in more, but like it's just across the board, there's gonna be so many new guys getting a look and you're gonna start seeing how some of them fit. It's just a little different having the blanket approach versus hey, here's our two guys that are filthy. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I would love to see a very youthful AHL team, I think they don't really want to do that necessarily because that's yeah they might get killed um but yeah no there's a lot of guys though they're looking at potentially being on a team next year that can make it very fun to add to the current guy like even a guy like simon johansson i think there's games where he stands out specifically with the skating and the offensive ability there he's not putting up tons and tons of points but he does get decent looks at least um and again a lot of work to be had in the defensive end but um you know, he's a fun player to watch when he's on for sure. And he's playing confident. Um, I love Mikey Milne. He's so fun. Um, even like a Damian Giroux has played really well lately. Um, the points aren't staggering for sure, but there's a lot of flashes. I watched him hit the post four times one game. I was like, this poor kid, like can't fucking score. Um, sounds like Minnesota. So, uh, maybe, maybe he should be their first line center next season. Um, but yeah, so there's I mean there's interesting guys, but I mean, no real sneaky undercover AHL players right now. We're like, oh maybe like maybe that's maybe this is the guy next season that could be a surprise roster spot in the NHL. Fair enough. Well, I, I think that wraps then the the Minnesota centric talk. Let's wrap the show here. Talking uh, took a little bit, but we are on our second 2023 draft prospect profiles. Z, take it away on a boy you've been swooning over for a little bit here, Leo Carlson. He he's a stud. Like he's this kid's unbelievable. He scored again today in the SHL. He's producing it over half a point per game, which is like I think he's second or third right now. If he finishes the season at this point per game pace, but like for like most points per game by a draft eligible, I think Elias Lindholm has the record. He like lit it up. Um, and he went high in his draft. He just gives you a little bit of everything. He's six foot three, he's 200 pounds. He's competent defensively, at least. Um, you know, he's capable of playing physical. He's not, it's weird. He's not like the most technical, greatest skater in the world, but he skates well enough. But the offense is just so fun. Like the hands that he has for a guy his size, like it just doesn't look like it should be working. Um, but he's just so smooth with puck, the decision-making there's like flashes of really high end playmaking. He's good on the four check. Like he just checks every box really when you're looking at a prospect and you know, there will be people put him as high as two. Like, um, you know, I know people who have him over Fantilli just because there's, I don't really, that I think it's probably well, a no, little bit of a stretch, like, but he's neck know, and neck. Like, okay. If, if you, like, you don't have to believe this, but sell me on Carlson over Fantilli. You're a lawyer, and you're arguing that your boy should go two instead of three. 
well, I mean, like Leo Carlson right now, everything he does translates. Like, and it's a very well-rounded, efficient game. Fantilli can be like super high octane, like a little bit over, like overboard. Uh, and sometimes you're like, why the fuck are you in the corner? Like, where are you going? He's trying to kill people. Like, he can be a little bit more out of control and unpredictable. I still think, you know, you look at Fantilli, he's a no shit top six center, um, gives you everything. But Leo Carlson is just so goddamn reliable. Like, whatever you need in the moment, he can do it. It's really funny, too, because, like, everyone will say, oh, no, yeah, he's a center of the National Hockey League. Leo Carlson is. And he's like, well, he hasn't even played center one time uh, with a red row. But I, I'm on the same – I'm in the same boat, though. Like, everything he does translates to being a really good top six center. Like, his absolute floor is a high-production 3C. Like – He's just a stud. And again, you look at this, like the combination of the size and skill and the hockey IQ, it's off the chart. So like I would probably still have Fantilli above him or before him, but it's definitely not like, like if he goes two, I'd be like, yeah, that's a good pick there. Um, and I mean, he could come over and play next year. No problem. Um, Whenever they open up Calder betting, I will be hammering Leo Carlson for sure. Um, (laughs) And again, like what he's doing, (laughs) I don't care Um, what he's doing. And again, what he's doing right now in in the SHL is like mind blowing. Like that's not supposed to happen. Like you look like I look at Fabian Lee self of the Bruins. A lot of people had him top 10. You've slipped for whatever reason. Uh, I think he had like three points in the SHL total. Uh, usually they're playing like four to eight minutes a game on the fourth line. He's either in that top six or on the third line. He's producing, he's playing like 14 to 20 minutes a game on a good, a Rebro team, like not a bottom feet or like not a uh, last place team. Um, and he's a main cog in that offense. He's on their first power play unit. And again, like I think there's room to, for him to grow defensively and just like a few changes to his skating could unlock even a little bit more playmaking and more defensive ability. I think he's a little bit upright at times, whatever. Um, and again, you're looking at a kid, he just like screams NHL center and he's just so translatable. So I am a massive Leo Carlson fan. He's probably my second, eh, first or second favorite in this draft. Um, and whatever team, like if you're picking it for, you're just sitting there like, I can't lose. Like right. someone's going to slip either Fantilli, Mitch Carver, Carlson's going to slip here. And this is fantastic. Yeah. Cause those are all guys that would have been challenging for first overall last year. Oh, no Can you question. right now, Vancouver's pacing to be in that group of four. Can you imagine <clears throat> him lining up behind Elias Pedersen? Oh yeah. No, that's that would be there. bonkers. Um, I hate it for sure. So are, are you at the point though? are you pretty convinced that you're picking Carlson before Mitchkov if you're sitting at three? Um, I guess it really does depend on the team. Like I think if I'm San Jose and I'm picking at three, Mitchkov is literally the perfect pick. Like, that, I get that. Yeah. So it really does depend on the team. If you're Arizona, Mitchkov, like sure. any team that's not going to be really like concerned about waiting for the Mitchkov contract. Cause he's come up, he's going to come over. Like he's not going to not come over. Um, That's still the way, though, For sure. 
Yeah. And again, there's variables, no matter who, I guess there is, you know, there's always, it's going to be up in the air for whatever team. Um, but I mean, Carlson has the size. He's a center when he comes over, probably uh, plays a very translatable game. And there's just like so few flaws. Like Mitchkov is like the talent level is outrageous. Um, not the best skater. He's undersized. Um, you know, some of his habits are up and well, down, but the talent level is on this. Like everyone's talking about Bedard, like Mitchkov is playing on the worst fucking hockey team of all time. And so should they, they went 23 games at a win. It's unbelievable. Um, and he's still producing like the kid, he, put him in the WHL and he would be eviscerating the WHL right next to Bedard. You put him in college hockey. He's eviscerating college hockey, just like Fantilli. So if no matter not, where you put him, not like, Russian, if he's not Russian, do you still think there's a conversation to be had between him and Bedard at number one? Yeah, of course. Like, I think Bedard did things, the world juniors too, that just like, I mean, I was like, yeah, okay. If any doubt that we may have had, whatever. Um, I mean, I guess it's impossible to say because you really, there's just so much unknown. But like, yeah. again, before this whole shit with Russia and Ukraine went down, before um, before all that, like, it was like, it's Mitchkov or Bedard. Like, let's see. Let's see who comes out on top. I forget, was it? I think it was two, three years ago. They're both underages. I think it was at the U18s. I can't remember. But I mean, Mitch Cobb destroyed him. Like, destroyed it. Outproduced him. Shine. Like, so in terms of pure talent level, like, they're right there. They're right next to each other. It's just there's so many more variables, obviously, with the Russian factor, the contract, whatever. Right. Um, I get it. So, so there's conversations we had, but like, yeah. depending on the team, if you're looking at Carlson versus Mitch Cobb, like, there's reasonable debate there too, just because again, like everything that Carlson does, it's like NHL, NHL, NHL habits, like whatever center size, all that. Mitchkov's just a high scoring winger. The defense is uh, can be uh, hit or miss, mm. um, but the talent level is just like the vision, the playmaking, the shot is a joke. Um, so that's. You know, you're making a decision there. But, um, you know, I think if you're looking, if you're a team and they're tied, you're probably just going to go Carlson because he'll be coming over next year. Mm -hmm. um, but again, there's plenty of teams too where it's like, no, we're fine waiting for that Mitchkov. Like, we have a lot of shit we got to deal with in the meantime, anyways. Um, you know, San Jose, you probably want all of those contracts out. They got a couple high end prospects that are coming up too. So, uh, so like, that's like a perfect landing spot for a kid like Mitchkov for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, right now we're pretty locked that we know two through four, just not sure what order. How do you know? Mitchkov could slip, dude. Like, again, you, so you situationally, like, it really depends on the situation. I have a hard time, and I love guys like Zach Benson. I love guys like Will Smith. I love other guys that are pushing for the top five. Where's Dvorsky? Is he in that mix? Slipping. He's slipping big. Um, I still love Dvorsky. I just. Just watching him, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a guy that's going to like drive the bus on a line. I think he's not flashing as much play driving, playmaking, kind of passenger at times, really to the outside more than usual. But the shots there, like I think if he's on, like if he's on a line with really talented players, he can be a very, very, very good complimentary piece. I still think he's a very good NHL guy. Like I like him a lot, but. 
and I'm probably and I'm still probably higher on than some other people. Like I know smart scouting. I'm for sure we have a draft meeting coming up, and I will for sure be the highest on Dvorsky. Like there, he's celibate for a lot of them, but um, I think with Dvorsky though, like he might not end up being the most exciting NHL player, but a very effective, very good one at that. And um, I still like him a lot. I think he can be a center for sure. Um, if he's a center, he's probably a three C. But I, I I do love Dvorsky still, even though he is slipping. But um, I'll be but like what we were just saying. Now, as much as I love those guys that are pushing top four, top five, I have a really hard time not taking Mitchkov over a kid like Zach Benson or Will Smith, whoever up like Oliver Moore, whoever is going to be pushing in. Um, for that spot. Fair enough. So yeah, Leo Carlson, stud. Stud. Love it. Well, we did the thing. Did the thing. It Kept under an hour. It happened. Under an hour. Any, any last thoughts here before we peace out? Um, hopefully, Minnesota, the NHL team, uh, can at least play fun hockey. Like, I'd like to be able to have fun watching the game. So that would be cool if they could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not throwing up the white flag yet, despite what we were saying before, just because it's the Western conference. And I mean, I don't really have faith in a whole lot of those teams, but sure. um, we'll see what happens there. And um, again, I haven't checked, but it sounds like Beckman's going to be getting the call up. We'll see what that looks like. We'll see what role he's in. But other than that, not a whole lot else going on. How about you? Any final thoughts on your end? So many thoughts about the wild, but we're not going to oh. drag that out. It's more so just, I'm not throwing in the the white flag, like you said, but I'm pretty convinced that there's no way they win a playoff round against anyone they could be matched up against. I, I can't convince myself of it, at least not with what we've seen of late. Dun, dun, dun. And we're going to end on that positive note. Uh, as always, your host, folks, he's signing off. We'll see you hopefully next week. <laughs>